Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Welcome. Thanks for joining us on this uh, Sunday. So how many of you um, have heard the expression, shame on you? On all campuses, just by showing of hands, how many have heard that expression, shame on you? Yeah, yeah. This was a little bit older one. What about for shame? Anybody remember that one, for shame? Yeah, it's t- typically accompanied by this kind of gesture, right? Shame, for shame. That's, that's what I got it growing up. That was the, that was the, uh, the motion that we got. Um, And that idea of shame on you meant you should feel sorry for what you've done, right? You should feel sorry for what you said. I've been in ministry for 26 years now, and sadly, one of the reoccurring themes is this very thing. Somebody, at some point, made a bad decision or many bad decisions, maybe a failure, a mistake, a betrayal, a hurt, and this caused the deviation a course change in what I believe God had for them. But because of this hurt, because of this thing that happened that shifted their trajectory, they are now on a different path and out of the divine purpose that God has for you. I've had too many conversations, whether that's been in a store, stop, talk to somebody, on a plane sitting by someone. Right here this morning, I had a conversation of somebody who had uh, been hurt, who tried the church, who was involved heavily in a ministry, tried Christianity out and some hurt, some form of shame, some form of pain caused them to leave. And in this midst of this conversation that I'm having, I can see their countenance change, like they're almost reliving that moment right then and there. And some of them will never go back, never try, never even step foot in the, in the church door again because of that hurt and because of that pain. Shame is a powerful feeling. It's a powerful feeling. And I've experienced it too many times. I'm gonna share with you one uh, very uh, embarrassing, shameful moment of my own. And it started, uh, or it, it happened in the summer before my freshman year. And something uh, had happened uh, in the midst of a chaotic marriage between my mom and stepdad. And we were forced to move from northern Illinois to central Illinois. And so we went to live with our, my grandparents, my mother's parents. And so the five of us, so there was four kids and my mom lived with them. And so it was a pretty packed, tight house. And my grandparents are gracious. They're probably the most giving, most God-fearing people that I knew. And they would help anyone, including family. Family was just, they would go and bend over backwards to whatever we needed. So we lived in that home for probably more than three months while my mom got back on her feet. Well, I had an annoying little brother who just wanted to be next to me and do everything I wanted, but I was 14 and he was seven and I didn't want anything to do with him. You go do with your your friends, I wanna be with my friends. And we were just, he was just on me all the time, all the time. And I just wanted to just, Ah, I just wanted to get free of them. 
So we were roughhousing in one of the bedrooms and I just had enough. So I sat on him, okay? And then I did something I'm not very proud of. I sat on his head and I ripped one. True story, true story. I know, I'm embarrassed to share that. I turned around and in the door sill was standing my, fa- my grandfather, who if you've heard me talk about my grandfather, was my hero. He was the man that taught me to look, act, smell, speak like Jesus. He served my grandmother. He served others like, like no one I've ever known. He was my hero. And he looked over to me with this face that I'll never forget, put his fingers together, and he said, you have disappointed me. And I felt it. I have just disappointed my hero. And I know many of you, given the chance to share your story, would have a story that you could share of shame, things that you're not proud of, regrets. Well, today, that's what we're talking about. Welcome to Life Church. I'm going to pose several questions, and I really want you to answer them to yourself, these questions. I, want to, I really want you to just inside just think, okay, when I, answer, when I ask a question, reflect on it for a moment. Just don't let it just pass, okay? So the first question is, what do you think God thinks of you? What do you think God thinks of you? Because I think this question speaks to a lot of things that we see through. It filters a lot of things that we end up doing, saying, and how we treat people through this question, the answer to this question. So we're gonna come back to it at the end of the, of the message here. So, and there are many examples in scriptures about uh, different moments of shame. Uh, we don't have time to go through all of them, but I wanna focus on one particular person and one particular incident that I think would reveal some things to us and bring us hope to possibly heal those broken places, amen? So before we get into our main text, which is John 21, for those who have a Bible and want to turn to that, we're going to get into uh, Gospel of John uh, chapter 21. We're going to go there here in just a minute. But I just give me me a few moments because I need to preface this and give you some backstory of our main character, which is Simon Peter, because this context gives you the setup and, and you can understand what is going on in John 21 because of what I'm getting ready to share. So Peter's the guy that acts first and thinks second. He's the first to step up to a challenge and read the instructions later, right? He's reactive instead of reflective. He's protective and not passive. He's the ready, fire, aim kind of guy. And he was one of Jesus's closest and earliest disciples. So if you remember, Peter was the one that got out of the boat and walked on water with Jesus. He was the one that spoke up when Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Jesus, uh, Peter said this in Matthew 16. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said, you are blessed, Peter, because the father has shown you this, not any human. But there's always a but with Peter. He was also the one that literally... Three verses later, Jesus starts telling them about his coming death, and Peter reprimands Jesus. 
Peter corrects Jesus and says this, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Then Jesus says, get away from me, Satan, <laughs> to Peter. You are a hindrance. You're, the on you're only seeing from a human point of view, not from God's. Did you catch that? Three verses earlier, he was saying, you're blessed, Peter, because you heard Father showing you this. You're not seeing through human eyes. Then later, he's, <laughs> Jesus has to reprimand him because he's seen from a human perspective. This is Peter, like the perfect contradiction. <laughs> Later, after the Last Supper and on their way to the Olive Grove, Jesus told Peter, uh, told Peter of his denial. Peter says this in verse 33, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. And even at the Olive Garden, you guys hungry? Where Jesus was praying, Peter and the other disciples couldn't keep their eyes open. Peter is the guy, when the crowd was coming to arrest Jesus, takes out his knife gets in front of Jesus and says, Jesus, I'll protect you. He's fighting off the crowd, cuts the guy's ear off. Jesus says, put your knife away. Peter, get back, fixes the guy's ear. Can you imagine Peter in that moment? Just being like, I'm just doing my job. I'm just trying to protect you. And Jesus is like, I don't need your protection. Just shaking his head. I don't need you. I don't need you to do this. Did you forget that I'm God? This is Peter. We need the Peters of the world. We need the Peters to run out at battle. We need them. And I'm selfishly saying that because I am one. I'm a Peter. I act first and think about it second. I'm the guy that got arrested because I convinced my buddy to break into our grade school to go play basketball on a Saturday when the school was closed. I'm that guy. My parents left me in jail, knew I was there. They had already called them, left me in jail to learn my lesson. And boy, did I. Tyson, I'm looking over you. I did, I, 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 I committed a crime. Just letting you know. I'm the guy that thinks about the consequences after. When there is a compelling vision, when there's a compelling initiative, I'm going after it. And then I'll think about the results later. So back to Peter. They arrest Jesus and they take him to a courtyard. Peter followed them at a distance. And this is where the crowd ridiculed and mocked Jesus. Then a servant girl says this. Hey, you're one of those disciples with Jesus. And Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. Then yet another girl says this. You're with those guys with Jesus in Nazareth. He goes, I don't even know the man. A little while later, another group says, hey, you must be one of them. You sound just like them. So what's Peter's reaction? He starts swearing and cursing and doing all kinds of things to show them, I'm not with those guys. Those are goody two-shoes. And he denies him again. The rooster immediately crowed and says, the Lord looked at him in that moment. Jesus looked over to him. And Peter's reaction was what? To run and to weep. 
Oh, how many of us run away? How many of us have ran away? That's a reaction that we have. Peter was dealing with great, great shame. And maybe you can imagine yourself in his shoes. In fact, maybe while I'm talking, something flashed in your mind of the moment that you experienced shame or hurt or pain or mistrust. And you ran. You moved to a different state. You moved into a different house. You got away because of the hurt and the, and the pain. So now I needed to share that so you can be, uh, so that we can fast forward into John 21. John 21 is found in the New Testament, fourth gospel in, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're in chapter 21. And you now know the context in which we enter the passage. So let's go into it. John 21, verse one. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. By the way, this happened after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is at uh, the time period, okay? So he had already appeared a few times to the disciples. So this is after that. In fact, this is the last appearance that we see here in John, okay? Verse two, several disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the, and the two other disciples. Simon, Simon Peter said this, I'm going fishing. Now, if you know Peter's story, you know that he was a what by profession? A fisherman, that's right. So that shouldn't be too shocking, right? That he's going to go out and fish. But I wanna to submit to you today, I think there's more to this. I think this was distraction for Peter. Don't forget all the betrayal that just happened just recently after Jesus' death, right? This happened, what he had done happened right before he was crucified. So this is fresh in the mind of Peter. And I think that just like us, we kind of go back to, if something doesn't work out one time, we're going to default to the thing that we've always done, that we've always known. We're gonna to default to that thing. And so for him to hear all those hurtful things that were said about him, to, do, to, to remind himself of all the things that happened to Jesus and, what, and how he betrayed him, this is a way to get away and remove himself from his mind, to get his mind thinking about something else. Can he could just throw a net without, and, and it'd be mindless to him, but it's a distraction from what happened. So I think there's some heavy weight to this, and he's recoiling back to what he knew. I'm going back to work. I'm going to throw a net. This is who I am now. I've betrayed Jesus. There's no way I can live this out. I've heard him. There's no hope for me. Then scripture says, we'll come too. You see, Peter is a leader. He's one of the main leaders of the disciples and they wanna be with him. And believe it or not, you are too. There is someone in your life that you're leading. It could be work, yes. It could be your, your personal life, but there's someone that looks up to you that you're leading, that will follow you. And here's what happens. Our decisions rarely just affect us. They almost always directly or indirectly affect those closest to us. Let me say that again. Our decisions almost always directly or indirectly affect those closest to us. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Verse four, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Jesus called out and said, fellows, 
which actually is young boys or children. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. I don't have an answer to this. I'm just going to, but I have a question. These disciples spent years with Jesus, a few years with Jesus, night and day. How did they not know who was talking to them? Now, there is another time. He appeared to them a few times already. So this wasn't the first time, but it just surprises me that they did not know who he was by his voice. Now, it could be he was about 100 yards out from shore, Scripture says. So it could be the distance, and they really couldn't tell. Um, there's another instance where, where Jesus uh, disguised himself so they wouldn't know. But then even Mary thought he was a gardener. And others thought he was a ghost when, they, when he appeared to them. But they didn't know right away that it was Jesus talking. Verse 6, then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Does this story at all sound familiar? This is a deja vu moment for Peter because this very scenario happened in Luke chapter 5. How many, by show of hands, all our campuses here, how many have seen The Chosen? Okay, if you have not seen this TV series, please do all that you can to find The Chosen and watch this. Season one, episode four, this scenario in Luke chapter five, where Jesus first meets Peter is a a brilliantly uh, crafted and and acted uh, scene. You can see the angst of, of Peter. He has thrown the net one side to the other all night long, coming up empty, zero, nada, zilch, nothing came up. So he rows into the shore and he gets there and guess who's on the shore? It's Jesus. Jesus is preaching, preaching to a crowd. Jesus comes up uh, to the boat and says, hey, can I use your boat? They can't hear me. I need to get back uh, out in the water so my voice can uh, you know, reflect off the water so they can hear me better. And Peter says, sure, I don't need it. Go right ahead. Jesus preaches his message. He gets done and he goes, Peter, go cast your net a little bit further out. And Peter's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've done this all night. There is nothing. Peter, just do it. Peter rows out just a little bit further, throws his net, and what happens? The net gets so full that it almost, the scripture says that it takes the, the, the boat over, so he has to call in for help to get the amount of fish into the boat. Peter gets back to shore to talk to Jesus, and what does he do? He falls down in front of Jesus, throws himself down and says, get away from me, I am a sinner. And Jesus looks back at Peter and says, nope. Peter, come follow me, because I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. This is the very scene that Jesus recreates for Peter to remind him that he is here In Peter's greatest moment of failure and shame, Jesus is showing Peter that he is not too far gone. But does Peter get it? Nope, Peter doesn't get it. And it takes John to say this to Peter in verse seven. John says, it's the Lord. So of course, John confirms it. Peter then heard that it was the Lord, put his tunic on, jumps in the water, and headed to shore. 
I'm not a regular swimmer. I am a decent swimmer, but I have never swam what scripture says they were a hundred yards from the shore. I don't know that I can do a football field worth of swimming in one direction without drowning. This is Peter's reaction. His determination, his gut reaction is to, it, one scripture says, to, he literally throws himself out of the boat to get to Jesus. I don't know too many people here that once you've betrayed somebody and caused them pain that you're running back to them. Why does he run back to Jesus with such fervency? He runs back to Jesus because he knows he's going to be heard he knows he's going to be forgiven. He knows he's going to be safe. He knows that Jesus' hand is going to be wide open and saying, come on in, come on in. I know you hurt me, but you're not too far gone. This is what Peter is going through in this moment. So what is it for you? What is in those moments that you are, uh, that's causing you to run away? Because see, don't miss this. Peter is now, instead of running from God, this is the moment that he turns to God. And I'm hoping today that this is a turning point for you. Are you running away? Are you turning toward Jesus? When they got here in verse nine, they found breakfast waiting for them fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. This would be really, I've skipped over this, I don't know how many times, I've just passed over, just me, oh, cool, Jesus made a breakfast, great, he fed him, all this other thing. Then we got to the, the important thing, right? The verse is coming up where he talks about how much do you love me, Peter? But this, this breakfast is not just any breakfast. You see, Jesus said, hey, bring in your fish. Come, bring your fish. But this scripture says, He's already made the food. He doesn't need their fish. For me, this is symbolic of, we have all these gifts, we have all this talent, we have these finances. God doesn't need any of it. He wants you. This was a relationship. This was an opportunity for connection for Jesus. It had nothing to do with what they could bring to the table. It was everything about what God could offer them in that moment. Why do I highlight, highlight this charcoal here? What's so significant about that? Fire was, was an everyday occurrence. Fire was their light. Fire was their, their cooking uh, ability to cook and boil water. Fire was everywhere. But only two times in scripture is this word mentioned. And it just so happens to be in John 18 where Peter denied Christ and he's warming himself by a charcoal fire. Peter didn't get it when Jesus provided the miracle of the fish in the net. Maybe Peter will get it when he's warming himself or cooking this breakfast on a charcoal fire. Peter is thinking, Jesus is thinking about Peter in every moment of this interaction. He's thinking about him. He's recreating these special moments that only Peter knew and only him would understand the significance of what is happening. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What is Jesus asking? Who are these? I mean, right there, the disciples are there. The fish are there. What are these? I think the these are everything. For Jesus, this is a matter of the heart. The fish represents their profession. The disciples are Peter's friends. And Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than your job, Peter? 
Do you love me more than your gifts and your talents? Do you love me more than making that money and your, those vehicles? Do you love me more than your friends and your family? How much more do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus. And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt and asked Jesus, and, and that Jesus asked the third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He asked three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Do you see any connection? Every morning that Peter would have woken and heard a rooster crow, he would have been reminded of those betrayals to Jesus every time. Jesus is taking an account. He knows that he betrayed him three times. Three times is significant in the scripture. Anytime you saw three, something repeated three times, you know you gotta, take, you gotta pay attention. And Jesus is saying to Peter, remember that you betrayed me three times, but I have forgiven you three times. And he's also reminding Peter in these moments, he's showing him that you, are, you can be forgiven, you can be restored. Jesus is pointing to the core of the situation, core of the moments of his hurt and his pain. This is what Jesus is doing. Every time Peter would have heard that, I can just see himself thinking, I'm a loser. I will never amount to anything. Look who I betrayed, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what is it for you? What is it the trigger for you? What is the thing, the song, the moment, the, the movie, the, 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 the phrase, the, the, the house? What is it for you that triggers something that goes back to your pain, to your betrayal, to your hurt? Many of us, uh, let me say it this way. If you are dominated by the wounds of your past, your future will live under a shadow of shame. And Peter is saying this, or Jesus is telling Peter this, failure is not fatal, Peter. Your failure is not fatal. You are not too far gone that I cannot reach you. And many of us have grown thinking about failure is that, it is fatal. Maybe failure was sin. Failure was a weakness in your home. And I'm here to tell you that failure is a part of the process and we fail over and over and over and over again and it is not the end of our story. We are to learn from those moments. We are to, we are to uh, uh, accept or even just grab those moments and say, God, use this for your glory. Failure is not fatal. Finally, in verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Jesus says that again. He reminds Peter of the first encounter he had with Peter. Peter, follow me. You can still glorify me. It is not the end. Feed my sheep. This is all future speak for, for Jesus. 
Listen, you, you, if you're going to love me, Peter, then you're going to feed my sheep. You're going to take care of my flock. This, he's talking about the community. He's talking about his family. He's talking about the church. Peter turned and saw behind them the disciples that Jesus loved. Man, Peter does it again. The one who leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Peter's referring to John, but doesn't he do it? He does the exact same that we do. Jesus is trying to focus Peter on, on, on healing him and look what Peter does. But what about John, Jesus? What about him? Yeah, what about John? We do this every time. I've been looked over from my position. I didn't get my bonus because so-and-so. God, I would do this, but my girlfriend. God, I would do this, but my wife, my husband, my boyfriend. If I got the promotion, God, you know I'd give you. Jesus, I just want, I see this vision. Maybe it's just me, just slapping, just slapping Peter. Hey, hey, you, Peter. No, 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 no. Don't look over there. Don't look over to John. No, no, no. It's not about them. It's not about Nathaniel. It's not about any of them. You follow me. Pete, no, Peter, it's not about that. It's about you. What are you doing? You follow me. And I, I just want to give that to you. It's not about this thing. It's not about Brandon, Biden, Trump, or Karens. What are you doing to follow Jesus? How are you following him? It is not about that. It's not about them. It is about us. Jesus says it doesn't matter about them. I'm talking about you. And he personalizes this whole thing for Peter. Don't you think that he could do the same for you? He can personalize your situation. He is such a personal God. If we have that connection, if we have that relationship with him, he just open-handed. All that shame, all that, all that, that, that hurt and that pain can go away. And you may be asking, did he not care about Peter's sin? In fact, it says that, I mean, uh, he, he, he didn't dismiss Peter's sin. He paid for it on the cross. It's not dismissed. He paid for it. This is after he resurrected. He went to the cross for you and me. For our sin, forever paid for. You guys can be free. We can be free from the weight of shame. And if that shame was removed from your shoulders, what freedom would that bring? I asked you the question, what do you think God thinks about you? And I hope that the answer that you have is that he thinks you're pretty great. He thinks you're worth it. If he did this for Peter, don't you think he could do it for you? He can do it for you. In just a moment, I'm going to have you stand and I'm going to pray. We're going to have some prayer team on the side and I don't know what it is for you. Maybe there is a shame that you haven't let go of. Maybe there's a betrayal, a hurt, a pain. Maybe it's a reconciliation of a, of, a, of a relationship that you've let go too long and you have said, until they, until they ask for my forgiveness, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go to them. 
Maybe you've been the one that's caused the hurt and you need to go to that person. So whatever that is, I'm praying the Holy Spirit speaks to you in a very personal way today. Those of you watching the campuses in Wilton and Cedar Rapids, this is for you. Can you stand to your feet? At all our campuses, please go ahead and stand to your feet. I want to pray over you. I want to give you this opportunity. Even as we worship, I want you to be able to go and let us partner with you. We can't do it on our own. We need people around us to surround us. We need friends. We need family. But guys, we need Jesus in our life to show us the right way. Father, thank you for your healing power. Thank you for your healing touch. And Peter is an example, Father, for all of us to know that we are never too far gone. That even though he betrayed you, I God, I can't even fathom that, betraying you. But yet the reality is, God, we have betrayed you. And yet you forgive us. You throw your hands up wide. You cook breakfast for us. You give us the moment and the opportunity You remind us of what you did time and time again of the freedom that you offer and you do it each and every second of the day. Your freedom is available to us. So God, we cry out for those who need to call you Savior, those who need to claim you as Savior and give their life over to you. God, I pray that that happens in this moment. Holy Spirit, work and change. Deliver, restore our hearts. In Jesus' name.